The problem we're having with inflation is that it's a supply issue. Uh, there's lots of stuff that people want to buy, maybe less so now we're just hearing, hearing about inflation and people cutting back. Uh, but if you hand out more money, people tend to spend it and they tend to spend it fairly quickly. Um, so sometimes that just exacerbates the issue. It might not be the case this time around. But let me know what you think. 877-399-9898 is the text line. Um, James in Edmonton says, as an Albertan, I didn't complain about the Ralph Bucks. No, I don't remember many people complaining about the Ralph Bucks. Brenton Edmonton, as far as inflation and cost of living is concerned, says it's my line of credit. That's killing me. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of concern. One of the things that really stood out in that Angus Reid poll was concern over debt. Um, 50% of, or more of Canadians are really worried about debt, uh, but specifically people who are younger. Um, you know, Anyone between the ages of 35 and 54, they say they have too much debt load, about 52%. Um, and that group holds 57% of the debt in Canada. Imagine 57% of the debt is held by 35 to 54-year-olds, and they don't represent that much more than a third of the adult population. So lots of people struggling with debt and with, of course, with um, the cost of borrowing continuing to rise, uh, a problem for a lot of people. So maybe the $500 tax credit, you put it towards paying down some debt, probably a good idea. Well, we're seeing the impact of the cost of living right across Canada now, the rise in the cost of living. But one of the areas that's of particular interest to a lot of people is contract negotiations. We're seeing it out here in BC in the public sector. It's happening all across the country and in the private sector, of course, as well. In July, the governor of the Bank of Canada told a Canadian Federation of Independent Business Gathering that inflation is temporary and that it should not be built into any wage contracts. Tiff Macklem uh, got some angry responses to that. Now, Unifor is the largest private sector union in the country. It represents some 315,000 workers in more than two dozen sectors. It was formed nearly a decade ago in a merger between the Canadian Auto Workers Union and the Communications, Energy and Paper Workers Union of Canada. It has hundreds of collective agreements up for renewal this year. It also happens to have a new leader at the helm after former National President Jerry Dias, perhaps the most recognizable figure in the Canadian labour movement, retired under a dark cloud of a kickback scandal last winter. The new person at the helm is Lana Payne. She's a longtime labour activist and the first woman to lead Unifor as national president. Payne is a former journalist as well and past president of the Newfoundland and Labrador Federation of Labour. And she joins me now. Thank you so much for your time. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's great to join you. So, uh, it's, I mean, this is a very, um, I wouldn't call it tough, but this is a very pivotal, pivotal, excuse me, pivotal time to be in your position. How That's are you settling in? It's been, yeah, pivotal. It's only been a few weeks, but how are you settling into the new rule? Yes, uh, it's been uh, not quite two weeks. Uh, doing uh, really well, but I think it's uh, to, to all of what you uh, spoke to in your intro, it is a, a really... Um, pivotal time for working people in Canada. We're just coming out of uh, many decades where wages barely uh, kept pace with inflation and, and in fact, you know, lagged uh, far behind uh, inflation over the last uh, 30 years. Uh, we have a bit of a tightening labor market, although we've seen uh, obviously some of that uh, changing in the last month or two as a result of some of the actions taken by the Bank of Canada around interest rates. Uh, in an attempt to, to slow uh, economic uh, growth. Um, but the reality is, uh, you know, we came out of this pandemic. Workers uh, really saw the value of their work uh, put through a, a positive lens. Uh, there was no doubt uh, many workers, particularly those on the front lines, healthcare workers, uh, pretty much everybody uh, in, in sectors that we were depending on, warehousing, 
uh, all of those uh, important sectors throughout the pandemic, we saw saw a real uh, kind of re- redefining of people's work and and the value of that work because a lot of us wouldn't have been able to get through the pandemic without these workers. And now, uh, you know, couple that with with the steep uh, increase in inflation, uh, a bit of a tightening labor market, and we see an opportunity, obviously, at the bargaining table to make up some lost ground. Uh, so to see these uh, remarks from the Bank of Canada was, you know, probably not surprising, but extremely disappointing. And and also their their medicine for uh, bringing down inflation is really uh, going to going to punish uh, a lot of working families uh, in this country. And uh, we've got to start having a, a better conversation uh, in Canada about how we tackle things like inflation instead of basically making workers pay the price when we all know. Uh, what's been happening is a lot of corporations have been raising their prices because they can, uh, whether you're talking about gas or whether you're talking about food. These things are, are far outstripping, and uh, we can see uh, profit margins going up considerably uh, as a result, uh, for example, 2021 and throughout, uh, throughout this year. Uh, so a lot of that money is going into profits, and workers are basically saying, look, it's time. We, we, we want our share of the pie. How do you, I mean, how do you go about doing that? Because clearly a lot of companies will be listening to what the Bank of Canada is saying, that uh, that this is temporary uh, and that uh, wage increases. We've had economists on this show say the very same thing, that if there are suddenly we get into a wage increase cycle due to inflation or perceptions of inflation, uh, that we are going to exacerbate this at the same time. You, you don't want to be in a society where inflation far outstrips wage gain. Right. I mean, it just doesn't work in the long run. It so does. how is there a happy well, balance in there? And well, and does do we ever see the prices come back? Then that's the problem. I mean, once you once you start seeing grocery prices go up the way that they've had, for, for example, 10 percent over the last year, uh, you know, an, an incredible uh, increase in, in, in prices. And 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 do we really think as inflation comes down that those prices are going to come down too it's it's very doubtful and as a result now workers will have had their purchasing power uh cut considerably so there is only only one way to to catch up here and make sure that people you know have decent living standards through this and uh, that's the work we're we're doing at the collective bargaining table and the reality is if businesses want workers right now, uh, they're going to have to pay for them. And we're, we're seeing that in many sectors. And the, I think part of the challenge, I heard you mention public sector uh, negotiations uh, just um, just in, in the intro. And in many, uh, many provinces, we have, uh, you know, really horrible legislation that they basically prevents uh, fair and free collective bargaining. And as a result, we're looking at a crisis in some sectors in the public sector, healthcare being one of them. Uh, so, you know, governments have really kind of got to get their head around uh, what's happening in our labor market and employers are going to have to get used to uh, a tightening labor market for some time now. And um, that's that's the reality of the world we live in. So it's it's about time that we uh, we start making those adjustments and that people uh, working people are, are catching up. And that's that's been our priority uh, all of this year. And we've probably got about 400 uh, collective agreements. Uh, to finish up before the end of this year, uh, and uh, and every single table, this is the the main uh, the main issue being discussed is is how do we keep pace uh, with what's going on out there? And I think you know we also have to give some consideration to what's actually causing inflation. 
it, it right now, if you if you analyze all of this and you listen to some of the economists uh, on all uh, levels of the spectrum, uh, this is not workers' wages that are driving inflation at the moment. It, it's the price of, of of goods and supply chain issues uh, around the world. So, you know, uh, doing harm uh, to working families isn't going to change any of that. When you look ahead, I mean, you have lots of experience at this. You've been doing this for the better part of three decades. You were a journalist as well, yeah. I know. When you look at all of this, I mean, I think back sometimes to the 70s, and, you know, I grew up in the 70s, and, you know, strikes and frequent strikes. Are, 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 we, are you concerned at all that we're heading into sort of a, a winter of discontent, so to speak, not to, to coin an old phrase? Uh, I think we're already in that period of discontent. Uh, last year, we had more disputes in our union uh, than we had at any other previous year. Uh, this year started off the same. They're not long disputes, but but they are setting a, a tone and the, the temperature of the time. Uh, there is renewed worker militancy, and it is because of all of these factors that I've I've talked to you about coming out of that pandemic. The you know inflation just chewing into people's paychecks. Workers at the bottom of the scale not being able to you know, make ends meet. Uh, minimum wages are still relatively very low across the country. And um, and as a result, uh, this is also an organizing moment for unions. Uh, we've seen it in our own union. Other unions are probably witnessing it too. Uh, workers uh, are seeing the value of being in a union. And so, uh, you know, we've had any number of, of new groups of workers join our union in the past year. Uh, so, the, the opportunity is there for unions to grow, uh, and I actually think, you know, we're in, a, we're in an important moment right now to be able to play some catch-up, uh, notwithstanding uh, what, what the Bank of Canada is, is trying to do at the moment. Um, whether we get back to those battle days of the 70s, I, I don't know, uh, but I can tell you that we're, we're certainly uh, in the, the recipe is there for it. I'm speaking with Lana Payne. She's the new president of Unifor, the first woman to hold the national president's title at Unifor, which is Canada's largest public, private sector union, rather, representing more than 300,000 uh, Canadians. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more about Unifor itself. There's some fences to be mended, or at least some uh, some unity to be found within the organization as well. Uh, and just uh, more about what comes up next. Uh, we saw Ford announce some layoffs today, not unionized members, but still a reminder that in a changing economy as well, there are you know, there are perils for workers out there. We'll be back with that. Lana Payne is with us this half hour, the new national president, relatively new, of Unifor, Canada's largest private sector union, representing some 300,000 workers across a couple of dozen sectors. Um, we've been talking a bit just about the the situation right now for organized labor in this country and the fight for wages that match uh, cost of living increases in some of the possibilities that lie ahead when uh, that fight uh, continues and some of the comments made uh, by the Bank of Canada governor about how companies shouldn't be considering inflation when they go into this latest round of negotiations contract negotiations because it is in fact temporary um, you and, and many other people uh, Lana were, were quite upset by what Tiff Macklem had to say does that uh, does that continue or is there is there a kernel of truth in, in it is there again I guess I started off by saying is there a happy medium between trying to get fair wage increases for your members uh, at the same time as trying to keep inflation in check? Or is it a non-starter, do you think? Uh, well, not the way the Bank of Canada is doing it. I think that there are lots of things that uh, can be done to, to deal with inflation when you look at uh, the cost of some things that, that Canadians have to pay for. 
uh, whether it's, uh, you know, big cost items like childcare, whether it's transit, you know, these are, these are things that government can certainly help uh, with, with, with respect to the affordability crisis that many Canadians are, are facing right now. Uh, I, I, I just think that this, this, this idea that, you know, uh, raising interest rates, which is such a blunt instrument and, uh, you know, targets everything, uh, whereas, uh, you know, there can be some more targeted measures here that can help with all of this. And to have a, an approach that actually puts workers and working families at, you know, the, the center of monetary policy in, instead of what we're seeing at the moment, which is, you know, a 1980s approach uh, to economic policy, I, I think we can do much better. And, uh, and right now, the, the Bank of Canada is, uh, is really uh, not being helpful uh, with respect to what it is we need to see uh, to address the affordability crisis. They're actually making it worse. Do you see that? It, do you see the impact of those words when you sit down to negotiate? Well, the reality is, is you know, despite what the Bank of Canada is saying, most employers realize that they got to keep a, a skilled workforce. They've got to retain uh, who they have and at the same time uh, look to recruit new workers. And, and they're not going to do it with wages at the bottom of the barrel. They're not going to do it with unsafe working conditions. Uh, that, that is the reality of the time uh, we're living in. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure when the bank uh, gives that kind of advice that many employers can really realistically take it. Uh, they're fighting for, uh, for skilled workers. They're fighting for workers out there. And uh, the reality is we've had many employers come to us and actually want to open up uh, agreements early uh, so that they can address what's going on in the labor market. Uh, you know, so maybe, maybe the bank needs to come down on, on Main Street and have a look at what's going on in the real world. Just to switch a bit, because I know you, you were elected a, at the beginning of the month and you've been in the position for a few weeks. You came in really on a whole, uh, uh, on a campaign really about transparency and accountability. We know what happened with the previous yeah. leader who was a very well-known individual, Jerry Dias. Within the organization itself, um, how much fence mending has to be done and how difficult will it be? Well, I think it's really interesting. I've been asked about this a couple of times. Um, I was really clear throughout uh, the campaign uh, to to become president um, about the kind of union that I think is possible for us, about the kind of union that uh, you know, we, we, we signed up for in, in 2013, uh, a democratic, mil- militant, accountable and transparent union. Uh, and there are a number of things that we have to do to make sure that we get there. Um, I, and I've, I've talked, uh, you know, openly about those things. Uh, and I think the reality is, is once the election was over, uh, you could almost see in the room, the convention room, uh, you know, our, our local leaders and activists saying, okay, let's get on with it now. We've, we've got a job to do out there. Our job is to put our members at the heart of the work that we do and to fight for them every single day. And, uh, and you know, it, we're, we're trade unionists, and we, we understand um, that this is, this is a, a tough period that we're all in, but the reality is it, it will be made easier uh, the more solidarity we build. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, there's any shortcuts to this work, but you roll up your sleeves, you get out there, you work with your members, you empower your bargaining committees, and we make gains for working people. That's my job, and that's the job uh, of our staff and our local leaders, and uh, they understand it well. So I think when you, when you focus on the work at hand, uh, then, then wounds get healed. 
And uh, it was really clear uh, that, that, you know, our local leaders in that room, all 1,700 of them, uh, it was like we turned a page uh, by Thursday. And uh, now we're on with, with building our union and, uh, and, and, and building a, a better environment uh, for working people throughout the country. I do have a few minutes left, uh, Lana. I mean, I've been a uniform member in the past. I think lots of journalists have been at some point. Yeah. Um, perhaps part of the problem I always felt was that there was too much of a cult of personality within, and that's and certainly uniform is not alone. But this idea of the of the one at the top who makes things happen is it time to move on from that? Because it can be destructive, obviously, when things go wrong for the person at the top. I, I think there needs to be a balance. You need to have strong leadership at the top, but I think the way you build a union is that you, you, you build worker power. And, and I know when I say those words, people are like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, the reality is I mean exactly that. You, you, you work with locals. You make sure that it isn't just about one person. You're empowering locals to do the work that they need to do in their workplaces. And, and, and you build your union that way. And I think, you know, it has to be about a, a shared leadership. We have uh, strong leaders in every region of the country. I rely on them for advice. Their 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 ear is close to the ground, which is really really important, and uh, and that's how you build it. And at, but at the same time, uh, you know, I'm the main spokesperson for Unifor, so that means I've got to be strong in my beliefs and and lead that way too. Uh, but I think it, that there is a balance that can be reached uh, with with respect to the kind of leadership uh, that we put forward. Well, Lana Payne, the word I was looking for when we first started out was pivotal. So you've taken the reins of the biggest private sector union in the country at a pivotal time, uh, no doubt. Uh, thank you very much for your time tonight. Congratulations once again. Look forward to speaking to you again. Yes, I'd love to. Thanks so much.